we have full confidence in Connor and his ability on the ice to and to, to lead, and as he has confidence in us to ice a winning team. So it's it's about uh, analyzing and it's about icing the best roster uh, in the salary cap world, and, and we'll continue to do that. Yeah, um, it really doesn't matter how we got to to a number or term or anything. The important thing is that I'm going to be here for the next nine years, and I couldn't be more excited about it. That's Edmonton Oilers General Manager Peter Shirelli and young NHL superstar Connor McDavid at the announcement July 5th that McDavid had signed a contract extension worth $100 million over eight years with the team, an average of $12.5 million per year. With National Hockey League teams held to a salary cap of $75 million, McDavid's new salary, which kicks in for the 2018-19 season, will take up one-sixth of it. McDavid's salary will be the largest in the NHL. Complicating matters are contract negotiations with McDavid's teammate Leon Dreisaitl. The 21-year-old sometimes center, sometimes right wing, has come to the end of his three-year rookie contract and has to sign a new one for next season. Dreisaitl was the Oilers' best player in this past spring's playoffs and scored 77 points during the regular season, the bulk of it while playing on McDavid's line. How much is Dreisaitl worth now that McDavid's contract numbers are now known? Is he worth 7 to $7.5 million per season? Or should he command more than $9 million per season? Could another team submit an offer sheet to the restricted free agent? With McDavid's contract out of the way, the fate of Dreisaitl's is now front and center of the Oilers' off-season dealings. The Oilers also signed a free agent forward this week, UC Jokinen. And the team wrapped up its development camp in Jasper, Alberta, where observers got a glimpse of Oilers' prospects, including their first-round pick in last month's entry draft, Kyler Yamamoto. I'm Craig Ellingson. Hockey writers Jim Matheson and Robert Tichkowski and sports columnist Dan Barnes talk to me about these topics as the Oilers and the NHL gear down for the summer. I'm Rob Tichkowski, hockey writer. I'm Dan Barnes, sports columnist. I'm Jim Matheson, beat writer for the Edmonton Oilers. This is our Oil Spills podcast for July 7th, 2017. It's hard to call it a bargain, but uh, at 12 and a half. What's interesting is that the number that floated out there was 13.25, and it either was that number at one point or it was strategically floated out there so that when they actually signed for 12 and a half, everybody can say with, you know fair amount of certainty that the kid left some money on the table. I think he probably did leave money on the table. The, the maximum he could have signed for is 20% of the salary cap, which is what, $15 million if it's 75 My math is crap, but let's just say that he, he did leave some money on the table. It's You have to because no team can, even with a superstar, even with the best player in the league, you just can't get it done unless you have some serious talent in goal on the blue line and to help him score. So if, in fact, they started at 13.25 and, and whittled away, great. It's, I wish somebody would give me $100 million. <laughs> and, they, and they'd say, did I leave something on the table? Yeah, 
No, I wouldn't even be covering sports if somebody gave me a hundred million dollars. Uh, yeah, I don't. The interesting thing is the is the signing bonus of eighty six million. So every you know, long before the season starts, he's going to get a large lump sum of money on July first um, to put in the bank, and 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 his actual salary will only be one point seven five million. But you know, the, the signing bonus counts on the cap too. But he's going to get lots of money up front, uh, including the year when there perhaps was a lockout. He's going to get his money up front. Uh, in a couple of years, if there is a lockout, and uh, that's the way the the new contracts are now. Lots of signing bonus and low salary. Yeah, it's a delicate balance, and I mean, you have to you have to pay the kid what he's worth, and at the same time, you still have to make the team competitive. And I think they were all on the same page in that. Like you know, McDavid could have squeezed a little more, probably. You know, I say he left seven hundred and fifty grand on the table. That's not that great a deal when you're already taking twelve and a half home U.S. So I think you know it was. I didn't expect it to be as, as difficult or difficult at all because, you know, he was in a huge bargaining position. He could sort of dictate what he wanted, and he's a smart enough and reasonable enough person to say, you know, I want to get what I'm owed. At the same time, I want to be on a winner too because that's important. You can, you know, another million dollars, and then you don't have a chance to win a cup or two versus 12, 12 and a half, and you, and you have a chance to win a cup or two. It's, a, it's an easy call, frankly, so and, and you know, glad for everybody that he made the right one and he's not a kid who's going to get fat and sassy just because he hired or he signed this enormous contract it's not going to be Dustin Penner <laughs> fat and sassy end of the road contract as <laughs> yeah. Craig McTavish says there's, uh, that's not going to happen with this kid he is way too driven uh, way too responsible Yes, he's only 20, and you hand $100 million to most 20-year-olds, and they go nuts. Yeah. Th- this kid is not going to go nuts. He's just going to be a good player. Yeah, if you gave me $100 million, I'd be dead in an Amsterdam gutter within about <laughs> seven months. <so. laughs> At least you have a plan. <laughs> That's right. I mean, two things I think about when I think about this contract and how much it is. I mean, yes, right now the salary cap is going to be $75 million uh, in the NHL next season, but... Who knows over the life of his right. contract? What, what, what could the salary cap rate rise? You know, significantly, even if it only went up two or three million dollars. You know, that's that's still like you like you said the percentage of of the uh, salary cap of the orders. I mean, it's yeah, of course it's a significant amount, but he is the best player on the team. Um, and he also the comparables. You know, we've been talking about this before. Comparables with contracts in Pittsburgh with Crosby and Malkin in Chicago with Taze and Kane who are all pulling in a similar amount of money and you know, taking up that much space. Jeff Jackson, McDavid's agent, brought that up in that Sidney Crosby's second deal, which was a five-year deal, actually ate up 17.3 or 17.6% of the cap. So, you know, McDavid is at less than that. And so it's it's in the neighborhood... Sydney's going to be the guy that they're they will compare McDavid to for as long as he plays, probably, because they are they seem to be counterparts. So if he's taken a little bit less than Sid and signed for a little bit longer, in fact, the maximum, the Oilers can claim victory. And it had to be a a good looking deal for both sides, right? Other otherwise, doubts start to creep in and people start to decide, oh man, he you know he bent him over the table or whatever it was, and. That's certainly not the case here. He's going to get another contract when he's 29, too, for another five years or something. So, you know, this contract ends when he's 29. He's still 29 is still 
pretty much in their prime of your career too. You're not 30 yet, so he's going to get lots of money. And the guys who are making, you know, in his ballpark, Caves and Kane, they've won three Stanley Cups each, and that's why they're making the money. And that's why Crosby and Malkin, um, their cap hit and their salary is high because they've won as well. And Connor has not won a, a championship yet, but he's being paid as a Hart Trophy winner. So. I don't have any problem with it. And now it's set the bar for Leon Dreisaitl, um much lower than it possibly could have been. You know, I don't, I'm sure the order's got a, you know, they've got their, their bar uh, set for Dreisaitl no matter what. But now if he gets 7.5 and, and the other guy's making 12.5, it's not that big a deal. It's still, whatever it is, $5 million discrepancy. Do you see Leon Dreisaitl as the kind of guy who looks at McDavid and says, "Yeah, I'm probably worth five million less than him." Drysaddle's such a competitor. All all year long, we heard from McClellan, mm-hmm. right? How he wants to be the best player on the team. Well, that means you know replacing McDavid. So uh, it it ought to be fun to watch. Um, they are competitive with one another, which is great for the team because it makes them both better. Um, if it ever goes beyond the healthy rivalry, if it's you know, if somebody's upset about what they're getting paid, that obviously becomes a problem. Hope, hopefully, it doesn't get there. Yeah, it's it's not it's not one and one a. It's you know he's Connor McDavid and you're Leon Dreisaitl, and so it, it's depending on the mindset that they go into it with. You know, the team is going to look at Leon and say, "Listen, we appreciate what you're doing. You you had a, a great season, like one great season. You know, this is what we think you're worth." And if Dreisaitl says, "No, it's you know I'm 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 one a to Connor's one, and it should be some somewhere in that neighborhood," then. And it's going to be a, a, a difficult negotiation for certain. Well, Pittsburgh worked it where they are making about the same, you know, Malkin and Crosby. So neither player, Malkin's not going to complain because his salary is, you know, around the same as Sydney's, and the cap is the same. But I also think Malkin realizes that the winning is more important than being perceived as the number one center. And if Crosby's perceived to be the best player in the league, he doesn't mind being in the top five. So winning is important there and I think it should be for Dreisaitl I think the other question is are the owners going to be paying Dreisaitl to be the second line center or are they paying him to be the first line right winger you tend to pay centers more than you pay right wingers um, you know the, I'm sure the owners playing devil's advocate or telling Mike Leote his agent he says okay if he'd been the second line center on the owners would he have got 77 points last year I'm not so sure he played with Connor McDavid for a large chunk of the season and got 77 points playing on the right wing. So what are we paying him for, to be the right winger or be the second-line center? So, you know, I think he's going to be the right winger. I don't see, for for one year, I think Nugent Hopkins is still going to be the second-line center and Leon's going to be the first-line right winger. I don't, I don't know if you can have a $6 million Ryan Nugent Hopkins playing third-line center right. for, a whole, for a whole year, you know, as it was last year where they weren't sure you know and that's a lot of money to be paying a third line center and I think they could just as easily put Ryan Strom as the third line center and have Leon as the first line right winger. Right because it, it is dependent on what you have on the right side and you've got Pugliarvi who isn't going to step in to be your top line right winger it's just that not from what we've seen anyway so you know what what are your solutions put the best guy there and the best guy there has got to be Dreisaitl it's been effective. I mean, it's a real solid attack. But you know, beyond that, what do they do with the second line now that uh, Everly, even for what he's worth, is now downgraded to Strom? Uh, 
uh, I think they have some concerns on the second line. So they can make it better by putting Drysaddle there, but does that weaken your first line? It's uh, it's a really interesting uh, coaching uh, the decision moving forward. So we've been bouncing. I think you said it just now, Maddie. You know, what is Drysaddle worth then? Seven I mean, and a half million. Seven and a half million. Well, based on comparables too, right? I mean, that's what you have to go on here. He doesn't have a heart trophy. He hasn't put himself in a place where it's hard to compare him to anybody else like McDavid did. There are easy comparables for Dreisaitl, and Maddie's right. Seven and a half, that's the neighborhood. We saw what he did in the playoffs when he was... He was a beast. He was the best player. Yeah. Sure. I think from his... Like, the way he's looking at it, I'm sure, is like he knows that in a couple of years he's going to be something else in this league. He's a big guy who can skate. He has great hands and great vision. But he's not there yet. He had one good year, 77 points, uh, playing alongside Connor McDavid. So a, there's a lot of arguments that that say just wait, but you can't wait. Contract's up now. So, I mean, he's maybe a bridge deal. I'm not sure what they what they decide to do here. But I think from Dreisaitl's perspective, I think he truly believes, and he's probably right, that in, in a couple of years he's going to be, you know, one of the second, third best center in the NHL. Well, and if if he wants more money... Sign a bridge contract. Yeah, sure. Sign a two-year contract. Bet for, on yourself, yeah. For $6 million a year, say, and for two years, and then see if you can get nine. So sign a two-year deal. But, of course, players and always want term and dollars. They don't want two years. Um, but, you know, if he plays for two years and, and suddenly is a 90-point player, he'll get lots of more money than he would be if, if he'd signed that $7.5 million deal now. And if they win a Stanley Cup during that time, everybody's value goes up. Yeah. And you know, he, there could be a time where, where he's he's making if he signs for this eight-year deal for seven and a half, say, in two, say three years, or he perceives himself a number one center, but he's still playing. Maybe they want him as a second line center. Maybe he says, you know, I don't I don't know if I want to be here if I'm the second line center. So the owners trade him. So, you know, we've always talked. F- for years about why the Pittsburgh Penguins keep Malkin and Crosby. They keep winning, so they do, but you, you know they could easily, just as easily have traded Malkin or somebody like that and just kept Sidney Crosby. Well, and in Chicago, where they have run into salary cap problems, they plug people in and, and they're still competitive. I mean, you know, last season notwithstanding, or last playoff notwithstanding, they find a way to surround Kane and Taves and you know, their blue line, which has been great. Um, with enough plug-and-play players to get it done. And the Oilers will go through that kind of thing if they if they get to a point where they win consistently. They will lose players simply because everybody's value is going to go up, and you want to hang on to McDavid, and you want to hang on to the pieces, the major pieces like the goalie and, and your number one defenseman, right? your so-called micro-core. But around that, you have to be able to plug-and-play. It's just that's the way it is under a salary cap. They don't. They're fortunate that all their defensemen are locked into contracts. Yep. For a lot less money than some teams where they're paying a one defenseman eight million or something like that. They're paying their first pair a total of eight million dollars for, you know, four more years. So I mean, they're laughing with with Clefbaum and and Larson as their number one pair. It wasn't all that long ago. Of course, this is, you know, in the NHL, a few years can be a lifetime. But, you know, the Taylor Halls, Jordan Eberle's, and Ryan Eugene Hopkins all locked in for multi-year deals worth, as we know, $6 million a piece. And now we have a Ryan Nugent Hopkins who uh, who's making that money. And, 
you know, if Drysaddle's playing center, he's he's third line center. So how do is Drysaddle different then? How is he? Why would you? Why him? Why would? Why would he be cheaper? Yeah. Why would he be? Well, he could make. Why a is case, he worth more money? Sure, he could make a case that he's worth more than R and H on this team mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah, he's only tw- how old is he? That's right. He's twenty one. He's played one good year in the NHL. That's all Jordan Eberle had in the NHL right. before he got his money. Same with Taylor Hall. Right, but is Dreisaitl 7.5 or is he 9? I think that's the larger question. It's not that anybody disputes that he's going to get more than Nugent Hopkins. He'll, he'll get more than that. He'll get more than 6. But not long ago, somebody was tossing around 9. I don't know that he's going to get 9 from the Oilers this year. But you know, and of course, the uh, idea of a renegade offer sheet as well. There won't be one. I don't. I think the days of offer sheets are. You got to be awfully creative to force a team not to, to just one up their player and say, okay, we'll match whatever it is, and we'll find a way to get rid of some other players. Yeah, you know, they just want to keep the player. So the offer sheet. You know, I guess Montreal is the only team I can think of that would be trying to get Drysital and offering nine million or whatever. If you wanted to, you know, it'd be a jerk move, but if you wanted to really handcuff the Oilers, you offer them two years, nine, and then they have to match and then qualify on top of that or whatever. And, yeah. and then suddenly you're, you're there. Instead of being this power in the Western Conference for the longest time, there is a team that's up against the cap for this entire time. So if you're a rival who has really no intention of getting dry saddle onto your team, you just want to mess with the Oilers, you could you could roll a hand grenade into their uh, into their front office. Oh, Back in the days when Anaheim and, and Edmonton <laughs> yeah. went at it, if that'd Burke be fun to watch team. again. If Burke was still in Anaheim, he absolutely yeah. would do that. <laughs> I mean, you know, different era, but this is yeah. the team that did the jerk move a couple of times to yeah. Buffalo and Anaheim. Yeah, it's not as like Brian Oilers. said very pointedly too, they took a look at our payroll and realized we were in jeopardy and we couldn't keep sure. all these guys, so they preyed on us. And but it's funny, but I mean, there's you know, the NHL is, isn't big on collusion, but the general managers don't want to upset the rest of the general managers because then it sets the bar often right. for, okay, here's what you're paying this guy. Now, around the league, then everybody says, okay, you're paying this guy this kind of money. Even if it's an offer sheet, then we got to pay your own guys this kind of money. It trickles down to their own teams. They don't like it. Every team's got a vulnerable spot. You have to. That's what the salary cap is, is for, so that you can't build a war chest and just buy everything. So there's going to be a spot in your roster that's weak or or vulnerable because you've spent 12 and a half on McDavid and now that's there's a little bit less to go around for every other position. He's fortunate though because Connor's deal doesn't start till next year. So he's, he's bought himself one year at he'll get his 3.7 million this year with all his bonuses and even if they pay dry settle seven and a half eight and and Nuge and Hopkins and Lucic six. That's got lots of money for for the owners this year. So it's next year. Next year's going to have to get. Like it's Rob, you know, and and we we all know that next year I can't see Nuge and Hopkins on the owners. I just not at six million dollars if he's perceived to be the third line center. So right. and then there's about five restricted free agents that are up. Important guys like the Testu Maroon Nurse. Just a bunch of guys that are the Kajula, Benning. You know, those guys are all going to deserve raises. So suddenly, like right away, the Oilers are going to be up against it. I mean, it's going to be tough to keep Nugent Hopkins around at that at that price. Well, and I guess that's just the price of doing business as we yeah. see with Chicago. Yeah. 
how many great players Bufflin you know they would love for Bufflin to be a Blackhawk it just you can't do it it doesn't work now how long how long were all these negotiations going with Drysaddle is he going to I guess we, anybody's guess it could be tomorrow it could be the day before the season well, starts well Goodrow lasted through training camp I think didn't he just before the season yep. started he opened, he signed in Calgary and uh, you know Leon's a better player than Goodrow Goodrow's a winger Leon's a center for the most part so he'll get more than Goodrow but yeah I depends how much his his agent Mike Lute wants to dig his heels in so you know, and I would I would think w- with the Maroons and those players, they got to be looking at at it from their standpoint. Do I want to take a little less just to stay on this team with Connor McDavid, or do I want to grind the orders for more money and and, and say no, I can't afford that, so I can I'll go on another team? I don't know. I mean, they might be able to get Maroon for less than they, you know, than they maybe have if he's somewhere else. So between McDavid and the new arena, they've they've got enough going on here that people want to stay or they want to come here as free agents. I think that that landscape has flipped dramatically from the, the gory old days. So would a guy like Maroon be inclined to hang around and play left wing for Connor McDavid for five more years after this next one? Yeah, probably. Five at four million a year? I, you know? 20 million? I think, that's, <laughs> I think he would yeah. say thank you very much. Now, some of that money, perhaps, uh, with Connor's uh, hometown discount the other day, did that score them UC Okanen today, uh, signing a one-year deal for $1.1 million, I believe? Yeah, well, they have the room this year. This year's not a deal. It's 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 next year. They have, like, a, a, a ton of space this year. So that's the kind of deals that they're going to get, these one-year affordable players that you can audition and, and see where they're at and, you know, maybe offer them a, you know, see how the year goes and just turn them loose if, if it's you can get somebody else or they're not quite what you expected or you know sign them for a, or a couple of year more short-term deals but right this year is fine they they still have cap room they still have picks that they can trade to add players that's it's you know adding a, a couple of guys during the course of this season is not a problem it's okay. next year where everything becomes counting the pennies and the you know the owners are fortunate because florida's paying part of Jokinen's contract that bought him out so he's getting 1.3 million this year and next year from florida so he was more than willing to sign for 1.1 in Edmonton. That's still 2.4 million dollars this year. So that's a good signing. That's not very much money. He's still got some game in him. You can play all three forward positions. That's what's happening to these older players now. What they're doing is they're getting pretty smart. They're realizing, okay, I have to play for a million, but there's still I still got some game left, three or four more years. So if I have to play for a million, so what? And he's a guy who's going to be on the roster and able to help Pulyarvi, I suppose. Well, he owns the team that Pugliarvi played on, so I'm sure that Pugliarvi would be very thrilled uh, to have another Finnish player to talk to on the team, along with Pacarena. Yeah, those are the those are the types of players that good teams can add. That you know, you're not expected to to play key roles. You're expected to play you know support roles and backup roles. And the less that's asked of you, the the more you're uh, able to live up to it. So they say they used to do that all the time. You bring in guys that you know that nobody really thought much of and then he'd you know put them down the roster and all the focus on the other team was uh, paid to you know the first and second line and then you could 
sort of flourish in your position or every once in a while they'll boot you up and to the first or second line and bump up your stats. Uh, the Oilers are sort of getting in that position now where you can add secondary guys, you know, uh, support people and, and have it work out as opposed to in the past they would bring in a player and, and expect them to be the guy that leads and that's they weren't that player ever to begin with. So. I think this is an upgrade on DeHarnay. You know, they got DeHarnay at the trading deadline last year and they thought he had still had something left and he had, he showed flashes but didn't play as well as they, they hoped for you know what they had to pay him last year you know Jokinen's a little bit older but he's played 800 almost 900 NHL games so and a whole pile of Olympics and stuff so he's can win a face off he can win a face off you know and I think they probably look at him and said you know he can play in the third line maybe they put him on the fourth line but maybe he can play in the second power play unit he's got enough offensive ability to move up and down you do wonder now, though, with after jettisoning um, Eberly and getting back Strom, a guy who doesn't score as much, you do have to wonder a little bit about offense, right? Jokinen is an upgrade uh, as a two-way player, but he's not going to give you a ton of goals. Uh, where does their scoring come from, if not from that first line? Lucic has to get more than, what it was it, 20? Right, and he's not even going to be this, the first line left winger. If Maroon gets twenty five again, that's fine. If McDavid repeats at you know thirty, great. Um, but beyond the top four offensive players on here, right? Is there enough depth scoring left? A lot of question marks. A lot, a lot of young players. Yeah. A lot of young players, and they don't get a whole pile of goals from their back end, mm-hmm. um, like some teams do. You know, twenty goal scorer in the back end, yeah. or thirty goals like Brent Burns to offset the offense. Although I, st- I think Clefbaum's got 15 to 18 goals in him for a season. I think he, he can score that many. So with the cap room that the owners do have for this coming year and knowing that they need, you know, they probably could look to add, trying to add another forward. Who do they, is there anybody out there they can try to add? Is, is a veteran like, a, I don't know. Don't say Yager. I won't say yeah. a Ginla or whatever. I mean, obviously these guys are on the downslide of their careers, but I don't know. I guess we do have a couple of months before uh, rookies report to Penticton. But you want to leave some holes in your in your roster for the guys that deserve to come off the farm, right? You have to. There has to be in any organization, never mind a hockey team, but any organization has to be room for elevation, for improvement, for advancement. And if you plug the holes with a bunch more UC Okanins guys who you can depend on but might not score a ton, then, you know, Pugliarvi spends another year on the farm and Slepyshev doesn't get enough time to develop. You have to give room for these guys to develop. And so I, I don't know if they're going to bring in anybody else. I, they have a lot of forwards right now. I'm not sure they need any more. And you have to see who you need. Like, is what's Slepyshev going to be like? What's Kajula going to be like? What's Pugliarvi going to be like? You know, then you can say, okay, this is the type of player that you know, we got to send this person down or back or whatever. And then then you can assess your needs, you know, more intelligently after you see what the, you have. So there's, you know, as, lo- as as well as a lot of those players played, or most all of them played last year. You, you have to see what they're going to do here in year two, here. and then make your decisions from there. And if they all pick up right where they left off, then they're, you're going to be in, in very good shape. Uh, if one or two of them falters, then that's being in very good shape. Well, and you wrote about that the other day, but, uh, you know, saying you know, obviously Shirelli, maybe he stands pat. He has he has the room um, to you know maybe making a deadline deal if 
that's what the team needs. I guess the question would be, I, I guess we have to wait and see how the team starts. You know, if they're missing that offense from Everly. The problem is the guy, left wingers they have are pretty much left wingers. You know, sometimes you can get a winger who can play both sides. Yeah. Like Maroon and, and Lucic are left wingers. I mean, it's, it's not like you can move one of them over to right wing if you got a hole there. They're left wingers. And, yeah, I... There's a large amount of holes on the right side once you get past Leon if he plays if he plays uh, right wing. You know, I guess you could always, if you're short, you could always move Strom to right wing and put Jokinen as the third line center. You know, he wins 53% of his face-offs, and he's played mo- his career both places, wing and center. So I guess you could always no. put him as the third line center. <laughs> I don't know, maybe Kyle Yamamoto will surprise everybody in camp. I mean. Well, not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> he plays right not wing, so right? Much. He will get the first game uh, in one of those split squad games, probably the game yeah. at Edmonton, I would presume, against Calgary. And uh, He's a few years away, it's, is he? It's, it's, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's a few well, years away. Well, you know, well, Robbie was just in Jasper, so like my but, next you know, question was going to be, how was that prospect? That type of player needs to be when he's on the ice. He's got really good speed. He pulls away from players. He sees the ice really well. Uh, he anticipates the play well. He's just he's, you know he's a smart player. He has he has great speed. Uh, he he goes into the traffic areas and and will fight for position. A lot of times, if it's just straight ahead, you know you push him push him over, push him over, you know take away his two or whatever. But he's he's in there battling, and he's got great hands and great skill. But he needs to you know he needs just to get bigger. He's in there battling. Like he's one one fifty three. You got to get to you know say one seventy by the time you're playing in the National Hockey League. No hurry. You go back to junior for a year, half a year or so in the AHL. And then so see what you've got because there's a lot of skill there for sure. For a year and half a year or so in the AHL, and then see what you've got because there's a lot of skill there for sure. Yeah, I don't. The draft pick was an excellent draft pick considering mm-hmm. all the big players they have at forward. That's an ex- That's a sexy pick. I, I thought it was a really good pick sure. myself, and definitely a lot of upside. If well, as long as the league stays small, you know, you'll be fine. Those lines and you've got something. And this is a team where a guy like that can can flourish. Small's in, like you said, you know, that Ehlers who plays in Winnipeg is not very big. Kajula's not real big. Kajula's not real big. Small's fine in today's NHL. As long as you do have a couple of behemoths to hang around. I mean, I think the Oilers still need an offensive defenseman. They still need one pure offensive defenseman who puts up, racks up 50 to 60 points, I think. But, you know, I suspect that'll be a trade. If they trade Nugent Hopkins, they'll be trying to get an offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. And you got to wait a little bit, I think, on on Clefbaum, right? There's something there. As you said, He's he might have 18 goals. If he's got 18 goals, maybe he's got, you know, 30 assists in him too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a very big year for Nugent Hopkins, whose stock is dropped significantly and in the playoffs he checked well but he didn't do very much offensively either he's got to somehow get back to where the orders can put him at second line center if, if dry settle plays the wing and count on a guy who's going to get 55 to 60 yeah. points yeah. you know not 40 they've got to get a guy who can get 55 to 60 and and somehow convince him that you know what we know you can check just get back to being an offensive player like you were in junior 
he's got a bullseye on him at six mil. Like he, and he, he's got to know it too. That, that, that he could be the last of the four horsemen to to go because it's just you can't have that that price tag on on the roster moving forward. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can subscribe to our show on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Craig Ellingson. Talk to you soon.